Hi, and a warm welcome to The Bright Podcast. We're a Brighton-based company specialising in digital asset management, working with over 800 global clients, including ITV, Amnesty International and the Royal Shakespeare Company. My name's Emma, and today I'm chatting to Vic Hayward, who recently embarked on a brand mission within Bright. It's a big job to get right, so we thought we'd pick her brains and see just how she went about the task. Hello, Vic. Well, hello. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, first off, tell me a little bit about your role here at Bright. Yeah, I've been working at Bright for four years now. When I initially joined the company, we were called Bright Interactive. That's why we've gone sort of through this rebrand and we've got to the point where we are now Bright. I wear a lot of hats in the company. It's been great, actually. When I started working at the company, I joined their customer support team, working in more of a client services capacity. But because of the opportunities here, I managed to sort of work my way into doing marketing because I had a real interest in that. Yeah, since joining, I've now moved myself into being their marketing and communications manager which encompasses quite a lot of things content strategy is a real big one for me our corporate brand that's our brand visuals the website that sort of stuff our employer brand as well so that's more around focusing on attracting and retaining talent within the company events management so big marketing expos that sort of thing and organizing stands designing stuff uh sponsorship and general i suppose internal and external communications so it's just quite a huge list of stuff really when i read it back to yeah myself. it sounds like a small job yeah <laughs> Yeah. Not, not busy at all. Not busy at all. I mean, most of the time I'm just sitting around drinking coffee. Wonderful. <laughs> so on, on, I suppose we want to know a little bit and a bit curious about how, you know, who you are, how you start your day. <laughs> Let's start off with that. I mean, are you a green juice jump out of bed person or do you literally drag yourself out and grab a coffee? I'm formally like the latter <laughs> the latter absolutely well my husband gets up at stupid o'clock in the morning he works in Brighton as well but he just decides to get up very early so I tend to do the same thing I roll out of bed yeah makeup on <laughs> get to you work. are always very you know put together I can't believe <laughs> you just roll you. out of bed <laughs> yeah it takes quite a bit of work I mean I'm in the bathroom for quite some time when I say get up early I mean I get up really really early but yeah I tend to come to work and I tend to get in about seven o'clock in the morning oh, wow. so before everyone else I sort of open up the office put on music and it just gives me an opportunity to sort of yeah, get myself together and do all my emails and that sort of thing. I've been trying to walk to work recently. I mean, I'm very lazy. So I get the bus, which means in the morning I get to experience my bus nemesis. Well, we've heard about her. I know. Yeah, tell us the... I think everyone should have a bus nemesis, to be honest. I mean, essentially what it is, is that she tries to get on the bus before everyone else. And I try and stop her. <laughs> and that's essentially what it is. It's been going on for a long time. I don't think she knows that's who she is It would be a bit creepy if she didn't it know would. that. <laughs> I mean, for all I know, I'm her bus nemesis, which I think is be quite amazing, to be honest. So that sort of amuses me on the way to work in the, in the morning and yeah so I get in and sort of crack on with all of my emails and, and getting stuff done it gives me a good opportunity to sort of settle in I think before everyone else arrives and get a lot of the other stuff done around proofing and everything. Okay so last year Bright went through quite a big rebrand you were a massive part of that and I just wanted to have a bit of a chat with you really about you know the cause of the initial rebrand and then why you then decided to continue to develop it afterwards. Yeah that rebrand was a a really big deal I think mm. for us as a business so I think as I mentioned before we used to be called Bright Interactive because we we're a software company in Brighton but we developed this product called Asset Bank um, which started to take over more of the brand so our brand sort of started to become Asset Bank rather than Bright Interactive and so we went through this initial rebrand it was more than just a colour scheme logo situation it was reviewing our entire brand hierarchy our name you know was Bright Interactive right did that really represent who we were now should we be looking at something else we did go through a, quite an extensive naming exercise which I'll be honest I don't think I'd advise any 
anyone to do unless you really have to. It's always to. the hardest part, isn't it? So hard. It really everything's is. everything's taken. Everything is taken. <laughs> um, and every, and then you start just choosing weird words that yeah. you think are going to work for you. Um, and so we went through a number of those. We tried really hard, but essentially we ended up settling on bright again. after that. So we did a bit of a full circle because <laughs> we realised actually it really represented who we were and it works with Brighton, obviously. So we did that. We, we initially worked with an agency in Australia, actually, to do the project. It was a contact of our CMO. And so we went through that particular project it was a really good thing to do they were a big agency and we managed to get from them everything that we wanted in terms of looking at a real introspective so going back to who are bright as a company like who are the brand what do we do what makes us different from everyone else Mm -hmm. focusing on brand values it was all of that sort of stuff was was incredibly important but then we sort of went on to do the visuals part of it and I think we spent so long doing the other part the brand visuals weren't as important not saying they weren't important but maybe overshadowed by the other stuff we'd done which is quite interesting because quite often when people think about a rebrand they see it more as a new logo or you know a new name and just some visuals so you spent a lot of time on the beginning part and maybe not so much on the actual visual side of it I definitely agree with that I think it's it's so important though like you can't you can't go through a rebrand without doing the introspection I think because Mm. you end up with a hollow brand it doesn't really mean anything to you so they were amazing in terms of getting us to a point where we had clear brand values you had a vision and a mission and they weren't just things that we'd come up with you know out of the blue or there were things that we were already doing every day but they just really helped us to articulate that which I thought was brilliant but yes when we came through the other side I was really aware when I was sort of looking at our brand values we weren't able to visually articulate them and I just felt there was something missing within that sort of process like the sort of the thread that holds it all together when I looked at our visuals it just wasn't there which is the reason I ended up going through a sort of an iterative process I suppose and going on to a phase two and I think that's very important anyway I think brands should always evolve it is an iterative process you can't just go through a you know like a brand launch and go hurrah it's all done and it's quite a brave thing to point out isn't it when you've done all of the initial work on the rebrand and then to actually come to a decision that maybe you didn't do everything in that phase and you do need that phase too so I think it's yeah it's quite a brave decision to bring that up were you supported within the company yes I definitely was I think when we once we'd launched because obviously the the project involved launching a new website so once we got through that part our mission I think with the brand with the rebrand was to have a brand that worked for us and also one that we were proud of and the, the brand was definitely working for us. You know, we could tell by the, the website traffic that we were getting, everything, you know, a lot of the feedback, actually, things were working very well for us. But I wasn't really convinced internally that everyone was as proud of the brand as I wanted them to be. So when I put the idea out there that I wanted to revisit, you know, our brand visuals, I had a lot of support from our director, Martin, and also, you know, the designers in the teams, mm-hmm. um, our marketing teams and our sales team as well. So everyone that has sort of been involved in parts through the original rebrand were definitely on board with it and excited about going on to a second rebrand project. Well, brand involvement, I'm going to call it a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> when you embark on, you know, such a massive process like a rebrand, it's really tricky maybe to find the right people to work with. So how did you find someone or some people that are going to fit with your company ethos and how did you tackle the research phase of this? So certainly for the, I suppose, the brand, the second rebrand part of it, so the new sort of brand visuals involvement, I suppose I'm going to call it, that was a slightly different process to the original one that we went through where we were sort of looking for an agency and actually that contact again came from our our CMO Angela who actually worked with this agency before this um, guy in Australia so for her that was a that was a very good partnership and so she'd actually done funnily enough a similar thing that I did in the second round I always think that connections are very important throughout your entire career and I think it's I'm not saying everyone has to be on LinkedIn all the time and connecting with people and constantly involved in conversations. But I think whenever you work somewhere, it's important to try and keep in touch with those people. If you meet people at events, 
it's just it's a good idea to keep in touch and I'd actually met Tom Tom Leach that had spoken to me on a previous rebranding project somewhere else he just contacted me on LinkedIn out of the blue to say that he'd seen our rebrand thought it looked great and wanted to let me know that he was moving to Brighton and he was setting up his own agency so for me it's always important I think to to take those opportunities when people get in touch with you to see if there's anything there there might mm. be some kind of working opportunity the there might not be aligned. stars this, aligned yeah. yeah absolutely and with with Tom it was it was really easy we sort of just met for a coffee and I chatted about some of the design things that I thought I wanted doing and I wasn't even really thinking at this point about the brand visuals project I was just thinking about some design work that I thought I might need to doing you know some ebook design and then the more we talked the more I realized actually this might be a really good fit and he understood what we were trying to achieve so yeah that's how that works so it's quite serendipitous in a way I suppose you could call it that, but actually it's just about building good connections and contacts. So and a note to any small businesses or freelancers is to always, you know, keep in contact with those big companies and for everyone just to add everyone on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and never just, know when someone might need you or just remember don't, you. Don't burn those bridges mm. when you go. <laughs> you know, it's always a good idea to sort of, uh, yeah, to keep in touch with people, I think. So yeah, it's definitely a helpful thing, but it's a little bit like how we started working with you, Emma, I think mm. is, is, you know, I knew somebody from... I a, just stalked you. You just stalked me. Um, mm. Oh my God, you're my bus nemesis. Ah, from, yeah, from another contact that I knew when, you know, put me in touch with you. And then that's sort of how that came about. So I think just ne- never undervalue or underestimate, I suppose, the value of making connections with people. Yeah, absolutely. I probably know you as quite a creative person. I feel like you come across <laughs> like that. Do you consider yourself a creative person? And I suppose the question is, you know, when you're, when you were chatting to Tom Leach and you had a vision in your head about how you wanted the brand to evolve visually, how easy was it for you to actually get get that across to him and you know what what kind of tools did you use to do that I do consider myself to be a creative person (laughs) finally my fine art textiles degree um, uh, from Norwich has uh, we always knew that would come in handy it's come back and it's yeah it's it's been (laughs) finally I'm about to use it it's a weird one I think yeah when you do an art degree years and years ago and then I found myself working in sales and any other job you know that wasn't artistic in any way I suppose Mm. over the years I've tried to find myself a, a carve a bit of a career where I can be more creative and get involved in those things so certainly when I worked at a digital agency previously I was able to get more involved in yeah the creative side of things and then coming here being working in marketing certainly has really helped with that so when it comes to working with designers I feel like I've got quite a good eye for you know what I think works and what doesn't work and and even if it's just something that doesn't really resonate with me I might not be able to find the solution it's not my job to find the solution but I need to be able to articulate it in a way that I can communicate to a designer that there's something Mm -hmm. off. So I found it quite easy to work with Tom on that. And this whole project for me wasn't my vision. It wasn't my singular vision about what I thought we should do. That's why I got other stakeholders involved in the process to make sure that we could do something together. But I was able to articulate their feedback when we were getting rounds of feedback with Tom. I was able to understand what they were trying to say and then convey it in a way to him that made a lot of sense. So I do a lot of translation in part of my job anyway. And I used to do that with client services and translating technical stuff over to customers and and back again. So I think, yeah, that translatory role is probably quite helpful. Communication was easy then in that sense. it was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's just a pleasure to work with, to be honest. He came with four concepts originally after I provided him with our brand values and, you know, all the work we'd already done with the other agency. And he was able to take that and 
then make that into something amazing and four brilliant concepts, which to be honest, we all loved. And we just had to work out which direction to go in or which concepts to merge together. And it was actually a really smooth process. So in your seasoned opinion, what are the <laughs> Makes main... Makes sound really old. <laughs> your very seasoned opinion. <laughs> what are the main things you would say are important to consider before starting or as part of a rebrand? Well, building your dream team. So do not underestimate the power of the dream team. So that's agreeing your stakeholders early on. It's really important, I think, with any project like this, that if you are trying to rebrand by committee, it's going to flop. It's just not going to work. Everyone has very different opinions. It's all very subjective. It's just not helpful. It's actually quite exhausting. But similarly, if you're trying to just go it along with a singular vision, that's also not really going to have a good chance of success because no one's really going to buy into the concept. So once it's launched, you know, you've not brought anyone on the journey with you. And one person isn't, you know, representative of the whole company. And no, That's exactly. also a lot of weight on that person's shoulders. So yes. you need to bring in the support, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. I think identifying your stakeholders. So pick somebody from maybe each team or I don't know, how, however you're set up as a business, but I chose someone from um, else in our marketing team, someone from our sales team, uh, one of our UI designers, another developer. Yeah. And that sort of worked really well. I knew that I had a core selection of people and then I would bring them in at the right stages of the project. So for the, every meeting that we had with Tom to go through our design work, we'd sit down, we'd go through the review process together. We'd look at the designs. They would wait to give their feedback to me afterwards and I would that into a helpful way and I kept them involved all the way through. Having that one consistent person delivering feedback is way easier isn't it? Otherwise yes. if you have lots of different voices to the designer or whoever's working on it it's too much. Oh it would have been really really confusing mm. I think if I just said oh just yeah every, or everyone just tell him now what you think it just would have been really unconstructive. It's making me feel really anxious thinking <laughs> about it to be honest. Um, Sweaty palms. <laughs> so yeah I think the fact that I was able to be the, almost like the conduit for, the, for that was great and I think they actually like that because it meant they weren't brought into too many meetings mm. that's the other thing as well about being a stakeholder sometimes is there's a fear that you're going to be in every meeting and you're going to be you know like you're going to be really heavily into the project taken away from your own day-to-day job exactly now that wasn't my role well mm. that wasn't what I wanted to create anyway I wanted to make sure that they were brought in they they felt on board with everything that was going on they felt they'd been heard which I'll be honest probably earlier on I didn't think maybe they were in the first three brands so I wanted to make sure they were definitely heard because they were going to be and and are my advocates of this whole project so you know when we're talking about it in the office now I know that they're behind it and that's mm. that's the best thing for me is to see that they're excited about it as, as excited as I am so that's one of the things I think well, I think another one again is the introspection mm. I mentioned it earlier but going back to basics and really understanding who you are as a brand and that you want to come out with more than just a, a really cool logo and a new colour scheme and some new fonts and maybe some icons I think you need to do things like you know outline your target personas understand who, you, who your audience really are and who your brand really resonates with focus on what makes you unique and I suppose as a marketer that sort of came a bit more easily to you that stage because that's what you're doing in a lot of ways for your your kind of day-to-day job yeah so all of our content again is focused on specific personas that's how we do a lot of our marketing and we you know even on the website we're making sure we channel certain personas into areas of the website based on their you know buyer journey to appeal to basically exactly Yeah. yeah But it's difficult because our industry of DAM or digital asset management is actually quite a crowded space. And so what's trying to make you different in that space? Everyone's saying the same thing. So for us, it was and trying to make that differentiator. And ours is definitely our people. And we know that. And so that's where a lot of the work we've done here is about people. But yeah, so I would say things like your mission, vision, values, doing some really extensive work around that is incredibly important because that is going to carry you through once you've got those pillars or that sort of solid foundation, exciting stuff and all the cool stuff around the visuals. I mean, everyone loves that bit. It's fun. It's the fun, creative part. Gets you to make you think you're like Nathan Barley and you can just be in like a weird... <laughs> Get that fine art 
degree out. Yeah, exactly. You can just go to agencies and, and hang out there. It's really cool, actually. It's one that I really enjoyed before is just going to agencies in London and just wishing, or say wishing, not wishing, believing I work there. Yeah, so that would be one of my things. So introspection is a huge one. My final tip, because I don't want to give too many, I'm sure we can write up some more for people if they're interested in reading our blog, would be be really clear about the deliverables for the project. Make sure you're going to come out of this with a practical set of things that you can actually use. Because I think we started off, We originally we got you know, a set of brand guidelines they look great but they were 70 pages long that's a lot of pages to read no one's reading that no one's reading that at night are no they, one's reading it. They go to bed? no one's reading it and also when you're expecting people to read it they can feel really quite intimidating really restrictive and actually I felt that those guidelines potentially restricted us rather than inspired people to use them people were terrified about doing something wrong so they were sort of going off piste and trying their own stuff. And I was like, you know, this isn't working. So brand guidelines are helpful, but make sure they're inspiring, not restrictive. But also we we didn't really come out with a lot of stuff, actual geotangible stuff to use, you yeah. know, photography. Helpful assets, I guess. Assets, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. Creative assets. There was nothing really there. So take the time to sit down and work out real life examples about the things that you need what do you do in your day what what do you will you potentially need designed it might be a really long list but then you can just prioritize the things that are really important to you i end up going through things like you know email marketing email designs you know do i need branding for that sort of stuff do we need icons ebooks there are all these different bits of content that we create what am i going to get and so that would be yeah a big tip i think so i guess being realistic about how you're going to use your brand in your day job and in each role yeah, exactly. And then obviously because of budget, budget's quite a big part of that. So don't waste all your budget having lots of guidelines made. Get the budget spent in the, in the ways that are going to really help you. If there's loads of stuff, then just prioritise it. You can iterate on it later. Just get the top things that you think are going to be make the most difference to you in the short term. And then just, just keep getting more budget <laughs> further down the line if you can. And where do you store your assets? Oh, that's Vic? a very good question. I think you'll find they're in our staff asset bank. I want the juice basically so hindsight is a beautiful thing and you've shared what you would advise people to do if they're embarking on a rebrand but are there any things that you feel that people could avoid or any pitfalls that you found made the journey a bit harder for you and you could warn people against yeah I mean I think if I'm just thinking about going back in time and you're right yeah hindsight is a brilliant thing and I think there's quite a lot of stuff I've probably covered already about stuff that I think we probably could have done better but like I say before I think spend more time planning what you need take that time I think we relied on the agency originally to sort of tell us what we needed it's not their job to do that they can guide you you know you need to take the time to think about your business you know they can make suggestions you know they can suggest you know mugs and tote bags and all sorts of things and they'll come up with lots of beautiful examples but don't be swayed I suppose away from your you know your key deliverables that you need from the project yeah exactly you know think about your digital marketing team what do they need do they need probably not mugs yeah probably not mugs and probably not tote bags you know Mm. their events team possibly do but you know web banners um social media posts application examples about how you're going to get that sort of stuff so spend some time thinking about that and then deliver that to your yeah actually I suppose prioritize it and then deliver it to your branding agency or branding person whoever you're working with so that would be one thing I think we should have done more of that before and mm-hmm. so we've learned from that this time around and now we've got a real toolkit. So actually, I think the phrase toolkit is what I would use. Make sure you speak to your agency about, I want a toolkit that I can come out of this with. More consistent stakeholder involvement. So this time around, it's been better. I'm talking, so I'm going back now to the original rebrand. I don't think we involved our stakeholders consistently because of time constraints a lot of the time. It was a case of, oh, actually, maybe they, they don't need to be in this meeting or they don't need to see it. We'll just mm-hmm. push on. And did you that know? make them feel disjointed from the process? Yes, massively. There were, yeah, disconnected people when the website was launch it was like hang on a second I don't remember seeing that keep them involved because again they're going to be your advocates when it comes off it's it's going to be a great 
time for them. You know, you want them to be involved. And I, I wonder if maybe some of that before was because we were anxious about the fact they might be critical and we were on a bit of a train, you know, we were trying to get things done. We had time constraints and maybe we worried that their critique might throw off the project, but you've got to allow time for that and you have to expect it and actually embrace it, welcome it, because you're going to get a better product. it could be valid points as well, you know. Exactly. If it's constructive criticism, it's going to, your outcome at the end is going to be much better. So consistent stakeholder involvement, I think, all the way through. Just plan it and manage them as well and just say, you know, I need you for these meetings. As we get further down the line and we're getting a little bit closer to, you know, the deliverables point of view, I might not need to involve you, but I will ask you if there's anything else that you need. And so just sort of manage them. So it's a bit more of a funnel shape you know you did a lot at the beginning maybe slightly less at the bottom so yeah I would say that and I think probably my final thing would be and I've said it I've said it before anyway is is the guidelines document make something that inspires people you know a photography guide that's just examples of things they could do don't tell them all the photos they can use and they can't use but set them free to be creative otherwise it's going to be a very boring brand so how long is your brand guidelines now oh that's such a good question Emma. <laughs> if only I knew we're including everything which is all the application examples it's probably about 15 to 20 pages. Okay, so that's hugely reduced hugely from 70. Reduced. Yes. Much more visual, I'm assuming. Exactly that. So it's not, one, I mean, even 20 might sound quite a lot to someone. But yeah, there's lots of examples. So individual pages of this is what it looks like on an email. This is what your brand looks like on an ebook. It's that sort of stuff that we've included where people can go through and then go, ah, that's what it should look like. Right. And I think for a new starter to your business as well, that's that's hugely important. And you're almost ticking off that kind of new starter, you know, handbook or whatever by creating those brand guidelines. So exactly. it has longevity. Yes. And it includes all of our brand values as well. So all of our brand values have been visualized within the brand guidelines document. So now we're in a great position that we can move on and create our employee handbook because we now have visuals for those. And I'm hoping to work with someone, a similar project for that too. But yeah, I would say they're probably my top tips. And again, I'm sure we can think of some others, but I don't want to bore everyone. <laughs> oh, just to let everyone know, we will be featuring all of these tips on the blog as well. So I'm sure we can expand further. And, you know, if you've got any other... I mean, I can talk about the bus nemesis more probably on the blog <laughs> if you want me to. So, you know, Love that nemesis. We'll see. Now you're pretty much at the end end of that phase of the rebrand what are the next steps well it's still evolving so I'm still getting all the stuff through I'm still yeah built the toolkit but I'm still building on that I keep finding things that I think oh I could do with that I could do with that too we've actually recently gone through um, a big office refurb project so that's where our brand now is being really seen so um, our senior leadership team really wanted to see the brand in our office environment and our brand values because we spent so much time developing them there's no point having a load of brand values that just sit in a drawer no one's going to look at I've been thinking about how do we communicate our brand values through the office environment it's not the 90s nobody wants to have their brand values written on the wall because that's horrendous and you just feel like you're being held hostage by a brand no one wants that either you know you don't want to come to work and sit in a room and feel like you're being shouted at for five hours when you've only been there for five minutes it's just horrible so uh, we've taken our brand values and we've just been very creative and thought about how we can roll out that design so I'm sure we can share some pictures of those things as well yeah I think that's what everyone likes to see as well isn't it you know that creative piece and how you did translate all the brand brand guidelines and all the creative work you did and how that now looks as well and we're really proud of of it there's a lot of pot plants yeah I mean it's really important for us to do that and we've got some of the graphics and vinyls and things but again have been trying to do them quite sensitively I mean we're really excited so I think that's where the brand is sort of going and I just think it's going to evolve I think we're going to keep doing doing stuff I've already had people sort of buying images you know on Shutterstock and other places that you can buy images from I'm sure that they're choosing images now which are really good quality 
because they've seen the brand guidelines and they just feel like, ah, I, I get it. I get the feel. It must be a really nice feeling. It's a brilliant <laughs> feeling because, yeah. I mean, and I'm, I have had people coming up to me saying, I don't know if I should buy this image. And I just said, all I'm asking you to do, look at the guidelines and how do they make you feel? Do you feel that image is a bright image? If you feel it's an image that works for bright, buy it. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You need to be able to free people up to do that sort of stuff. Um, mm. Otherwise, you just end up going back to being really corporate and, I don't know, quite unhelpful. So I know that you obviously wake up, you're up in the office <laughs> by about 7am, so I'm guessing you're not out at five. So no. when the clock strikes three, Vic, <laughs> what do you do? Well, I say, yeah, three o'clock, because I'm usually quite lucky to get out because we have quite nice flexible working. So in the summer is the best time for this because it just means I get to take advantage of, <laughs> of Brighton in the afternoon and summer, which is great. I take full advantage, I mean, it's quite diplomatic, I take full advantage of uh, city living, I would say. So I uh, meet friends quite a lot after work for drinks and dinner. Because the office is only a stone's throw from the beach, really. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it really is. And I'm only 20 minutes from home as well. So it's a perfect thing for me, really. It's just that I live a very nice life I think and my husband is only around the corner as well he works by Brighton station so we meet for dinner and things after work and Brighton yeah. life's the best life Brighton life is the best life <laughs> <laughs> could say something really exciting and really diverse but uh, I think drinks and dinner is probably it's probably it so that's all we have time for today. A big thanks to Vic and everyone who tuned in. We've included all these hints and links to rebranding successfully in our post on the Bright blog, which can be found on assetbank.co.uk forward slash blog. We'll be back very soon with more insights from the wonderful world of Bright. 